Scientists have shied away from studying what might be called plant cognition, in part because of its association with pseudoscience, like the popular 1973 book, The Secret Life of Plants. Certain types of plant memories were mixed up, too, with discredited theories of evolution. One of the most well-understood forms of plant memory, for example, is vernalization, in which plants retain an impression of a long period of cold, which helps them determine the right time to produce flowers. These plants grow tall through the fall, brace themselves during winter, and bloom in the longer days of spring, but only if they have a memory of having gone through that winter. This poetic idea is closely associated with Trofim Lysenko, one of the Soviet Union's most infamous scientists. Lysenko discovered early in his career that by chilling seeds he could turn winter varieties of grains, normally planted in the fall and harvested in the spring, into spring varieties, planted and harvested in the same growing season. He was, in essence, implanting a false memory of winter implants that needed a cold signal to grow. Despite this insight, Lysenko was not a very good scientist. But after he published early work on vernalization in the late 1920s, the Soviet government, looking for an agricultural panacea, inundated him with money and prestige. As Lysenko gained power, he made outrageous claims about his original idea. Vernalization, he said, could transform all kinds of plants, including potatoes and cotton, and boost the bounty of Soviet lands. The evidence for these claims was scant, but that didn't matter. By 1936, Lysenko led a major research institute and was a member of the Central Executive Committee, the nexus of Soviet power. With the help of a government-appointed philosopher, Lysenko developed a theory of his works that mixed Marxism with the discredited ideas of French naturalist Jean-Baptiste Lamarck. The offspring of vernalized plants, he argued, could inherit that acquired characteristic, so that by changing their environment, he could create new breeds of staple crops in a fraction of the time of traditional breeding techniques, just as, by changing the environment of the working class, communism could create a new breed of men. All the claims were based on a principle of malleability, that genes were not all that important, says Lauren Graham, an emeritus historian at Harvard who has tracked Lysenko's career. Lysenko was a little unclear on the existence of genes. In practice, Lysenko's theory fell apart. He couldn't breed new varieties of grains that inherited memories of winter. He had promised fields fuller than ever before, but his ideas couldn't save the country from famine in 1946 and 47. And when geneticists challenged his ideas, Lysenko denounced them, which led to imprisonment and death for hundreds of scientists. He is often said to be responsible for creating a missing generation of Russian geneticists, who either gave up their work, left the country, or were punished for going against him. Without them, Lysenko could never see where he was right, plants could form these memories of winter, and where he had gone wrong. This type of memory, at least, cannot be transmitted across generations. It took a generation of scientists, working in the West, to uncover the true secrets of the phenomenon Lysenko claimed as his own, but never truly understood. Even as Lysenko was making his grandiose claims, scientists on the other side of the Iron Curtain were trying to understand how vernalization works. Some of the most important investigations to examine this mystery took place in Tübingen, Germany, in the lab of Georg Melkers and Anton Lang. Melkers was a leading biologist of plant development, and Lang was a stateless refugee Russian biologist. Together, they studied vernalization in search of the biochemical secret of flowering, a hypothetical plant hormone scientists called florigen. One of their study subjects was a nightshade called henbane, Hyoscyamus niger. 
Some plants flower after reaching a certain point in their development, like teenagers who hit puberty and start to parade their newfound sexuality immediately, regardless of the consequences. Other plants, though, behave more like teenagers who wait for summer break to go crazy. They only flower when they receive cues from their environment that it's the ideal time to do so. Henbane is one of the latter and requires both a period of cold and the right light to bloom. Rather than growing and dying in one season, as annual plants do, certain varieties of henbane are biennials, with a life cycle that spans two growing seasons. In their first spring and summer, these plants grow as much as they can, but hold back from flowering. Only in the following spring do they burst into bloom, creamy white flowers smudged in their centers with red wine purple that runs through the veins on their petals. For a biennial, these dual requirements make sense. They prevent the plant from flowering in the fall, when the light is right, but the cold days of winter would doom their flowers. While trying to understand how vernalization and day length work in concert to make henbane flower, Melkers and Lang